Hello, welcome to my Camino, the podcast. Freedom is really my word for the Camino because I think from the freedom comes everything else. That freedom just makes you feel pure joy. That's German pilgrim Melanie Schadlich, who joins me this week. We'll get to Melanie in a moment. You're going to love our chat. But first, this is a weekly podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. The Camino is a World Heritage listed pilgrimage a journey in the footsteps of millions of pilgrims before you, spanning hundreds and hundreds of years, centuries, walking under the blessing of Christ's apostle, St. James. The pilgrim walks with very little, asks for very little, and expects very little. Truth be known, if you're prepared to spend your holiday sleeping in a room with 50 other people, you're not expecting much. And I know post-COVID things will be different. But I also like to think that one day in the not-too-distant future, things will return to normal. If sleeping in a room with 50 other people is normal to you. That room in Nahira down by the river, the municipal albergue, boy, that was heavy going. There were some very sleepy, grumpy pilgrims heading out onto the Camino first thing in the morning. I was interviewed this week for Lee Brennan's Camino Cafe, and I went through my journals from my two Caminos to prepare. I remember visiting the church in Osobrero, the highest point of the Camino Frances. It was cold and damp, and I needed somewhere warm and out of the weather. And the church, built in the year, I think, 900, stands at the top of the town. You wander up the cobblestone streets to a small graveyard in the church of Santa Maria. I was feeling blue and cold and wet, and I wandered in to find a little crystal shrine and it had inside it a chalice and a plate and I read the story alongside it the year was 1300 a cold and bitter blizzard a storm swept across the top of the mountain and as the parish priest prepared to say mass in the sacristy he quietly hoped that no one would show up then the door creaked open and a farmer walked in out of the blizzard dusting snow off his coat and his faith meant that he wouldn't dare miss Mass. But the priest actually resented the man's faith because the priest's own belief and faith had faded years before. As the priest celebrated the consecration angrily, the host in his hand changed into real flesh, the wine into real blood, and the blood overflowed the chalice, staining the corporal. For the next two centuries, the flesh and blood remained there on the altar until Queen Isabella visited the church some 200 years later in the 1500s and ordered the crystal shrine to house the relics where the plate and chalice remain to this day. Later that night, I spent a few hours talking with an Italian pilgrim, Giuseppe. He was waiting for the northern lights to shine in the night sky. We talked for hours, and we listened, and we shared our stories from different sides of the planet. The next morning, he showed me his photographs of the northern lights, a miracle of light and energy played out in front of the backdrop of the Milky Way, the field of stars. And as we wandered off the following morning to walk down the hill via Tricastella to Samos, I thought about the farmer who had wandered into the church that day. What had he thought? when the miracle occurred before him. 
And here, some 800 years later, I'm standing, this pilgrim, at the chalice and plate, the very instruments present at the time of that miracle. And as I walked down the hill, I remember thinking, how lucky I was to be on this journey. The sun had burst through the clouds and I was heading to the warmer elevation at the bottom of the mountain. We walked in a group through the narrow tunnels of trees winding toward the old monastery in Samos. We talked and listened and celebrated together this gift of our adventure. The gift of listening is always a gift well received. And I can't wait to go back. We can't wait to go back. My quote this week comes from Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., an American jurist and judge. He said, A mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. I really love that quote. A mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. My guest this week is a German Camino blogger, Melanie Shadlish. Melanie wrote to me a while back, and we've been trading emails ever since. She's on the line from Germany. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hi, Dan. I'm so happy to be here, and thank you for everything you're doing with your podcast. Oh, well, it's a delight to be here, to be honest, talking to you. (laughs) Where are you in Germany? What's life like there right now? Paint us a picture of COVID life in Germany. (laughs) Yeah, I live in Freiburg. That's near the Black Forest in the very southwest of Germany. So it's close to the French border and the Swiss border. Um, and we're kind of, well, I hope past the peak of the third wave of COVID right now. Well, maybe we're still kind of in the middle. It's hard to say. Um, actually, just like two weeks ago or 10 days ago, um, they established uh, stricter regulations again for most of Germany. Uh, luckily, I'm in an area where um, the infection rate is relatively low. So here we only have the normal regulations, mm, you're right. <laughs> limitations. Can, yeah, can you travel internationally? Uh, that's a good question. I think... I think not as tourists. I think, yeah, I think you can actually go to Mallorca... Yeah, I think you can, depending on the country you're going to and with tests and everything. But I, I haven't really checked because I wouldn't go <laughs> right, right now. Yeah, okay. So you're you're staying local. You mentioned there that you live near the Black Forest. It's a very famous part mm-hmm. of your neck of the woods, if you forgive the pun. Uh, what's <laughs> the, uh, There must be some beautiful walks there. Yeah, there, there, are, there are loads. Uh, like in the Black Forest itself with, with the hills. And the forest, <laughs> um, but there are other areas. Like I was on a hike today, actually in an area also very close by. It's called Kaiserstuhl, um, and it has a lot of vineyards and also forests and some very special animals. Like we, a friend and I, we were going to see some very um, a, a kind of special bird. It's called the bee eater. I don't know if you have bee eaters as well in Australia. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, okay, but I know they. I think they're in Africa as well and in, in Europe, and it's really special because it looks very exotic. And in here in Germany, we don't have so many colorful birds, but that one is really exotic looking, and and we actually saw them, so that was great. And yeah, there are a lot of great hikes here. How fantastic! Take us back to your childhood and your upbringing. Are you from a religious family? Um, no, not at all. <laughs> I actually grew up in the former German Democratic Republic, so in former Eastern Germany. 
Um, and there were, of course, a lot of atheists, and I grew up in an atheist family. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not religious, but I think I kind of discovered some kind of spirituality yeah. <laughs> during the last years. Yeah. 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 We're going to get to your blog in a moment um, because it's fantastic and, and you really do explore in many respects, a kind of spiritual uh, sentiment throughout them. And, and they're, they're a great read. I, I'm going to encourage my listeners to, to go to your website and read them. But you might begin then, Mel, by telling us, how did the Camino come into your life? It has been an idea in my head for a long time. Um, I think I might have heard about it first when the book came out, you know it, by Harpe Kerkeling. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I think in English it's called I'm Off Then or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He's the German comedian, isn't he? Yes, yes. And through him, the Camino came really, became really popular in Germany. Um, So when his book came out, I think everyone was kind of talking about it and it was in my mind. um, I think I was studying at that time. And then I I read the book, of course. (laughs) And when I read this, it was like, wow. I got to do this. It it wasn't even like this was a new idea. It was just like it had always been there and just the book kind of made it clearer, you know. Um, yeah. I think even as a child, I had kind of dreamt that I would kind of walk long distances. It's hard to describe, but it was always like a, a dream of mine to just keep walking and kind of this romantic image, you know, of, of going somewhere where you haven't been then staying in some kind of... Well, I was thinking alberg, but some kind of hostel or something, and then going somewhere where you haven't been either, not going back. So that was always something within me. And then I read the book and I was like, okay, I have to do this one day and kind of stuck in my mind. But for some reason, I didn't do it after university. I started working and then I went into research and did my dissertation. Um, through this process, I noticed that research is not my thing. Well, if I had been honest, I, I had known this all the time already, but then I knew, okay, I'm going to pull through my dissertation and then um, after that, I'm going to treat myself with the Camino. So that was kind of a, a good goal <laughs> to, to get finished as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I finished my uh, doctoral thesis, um, well, officially in, in December of 2017, and I got the certificate in, uh, at the beginning of 2018, and I had planned to walk the Camino in uh, spring of 2018. That's what I did. So I started at the end of March and walked the Camino Frances from Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port to Santiago de Compostela and on to Finisterre and then Murcia, and then I returned home. I wonder, the Germans are great adventurers, aren't they? It's a big part of your bushwalking, well, we call it bushwalking in Australia, but <laughs> hiking and trekking and, and getting out in the great outdoors is a big part of your your culture, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call Germans adventurous, but many do like hiking. Yeah, right. That's true, yeah. Yeah, maybe not adventurous, that's funny. <laughs> do you remember, Melanie, what you imagined the Camino might be like? Do you remember what you expected to find? I tried not to expect anything. Mm. I think I just wanted that freedom and the time for myself. And that's that's definitely what I got. And that was even better than I thought. I think what I didn't expect as much was to meet those wonderful people. Well, I did expect to meet wonderful people, but the depth of the connection, you know, 
how how deep it can be and that there some of them are still friends of mine i'm regularly in touch with them i wouldn't i didn't really expect that yeah just the connection yeah yeah that's right you you don't expect it do you did you do though um a lot of research like did you know i'm going to ask you the question are you a spread were you a spreadsheet <laughs> pilgrim right did you do all did you have it all planned out in front of you the the germans are great planners mm-hmm. yeah well I wouldn't say I'm a spreadsheet pilgrim, but I love to get information. So I had this very great guidebook I really love. I, I, I just call it the yellow one. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Germans will know which one I'm referring to. There are two big ones. And uh, I just loved reading about it. Like it was kind of, I think some, some other person already said that in your podcast. It's like you're already going there by reading through the guidebook, you know. Yeah. You, you can't wait, so you, you're just reading. And also I kind of wanted the information where can I find the vegetarian albergues. I just wanted to stay at some more alternative albergues. Uh, so I had all the information uh, and I just had some highlighted some passages and some albergues in my guidebook but then i just i wanted to walk relatively spontaneous and just see where why where where it takes me that day or where i feel like going or if i want to continue or not so i often i had one place in mind where i might go but sometimes i would go further sometimes i i would stop before that you mentioned there the vegetarian um journey is it hard to find vegetarian restaurants and albergues on the camino well, I didn't go to restaurants restaurants that much. Um, I didn't have high expectations concerning the food. And I wouldn't say it's hard to find vegetarian albergues. I feel there are quite a lot. Right. Um, I didn't particularly look for vegetarian restaurants, but it's easy to get a vegetarian meal at any restaurant. So right. it's not a problem. Okay, right. You know, you've heard me talk here before about the spiritual nature of the Camino. And as I said, you've written about it in your blogs. Others talk about the energy of the Camino. And I can mm-hmm. certainly vouch for that because it's something I felt in my bones almost. It was like it was, you could really feel it. Mm. Um, di- first of all, did you feel it? And then secondly, you might, if you did, tell us how you describe it to people. <laughs> I did certainly feel it. I think I felt it even before I went there. Yeah. And then when I took my first step in saint Jean, it was like, wow, that's where I'm, where I'm meant to be. That sounds strange, but I knew that this wouldn't even be my my only walk, my only Camino when, when I even did the first step. Um, and the energy is just amazing, but I can't describe it. Just like so many others have told you already. It's so hard to describe. Often I find myself talking to people and I kind of expect when I talk about the Camino, I kind of expect, oh, they they must kind of get like this little spark in their eye. And then they, they will probably say, oh, yeah, I have to do this. It sounds so great. But sometimes they don't. They just look at me like... She is on something, or you know. <laughs> I try to get it across, and there's so much enthusiasm in me, and just the feeling that I had on the Camino. But it's so hard to really describe it. And um, I, I think I can get across that it meant a lot to me, but I find it hard to get across that it might give the the person I'm talking to so much if they do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know. No, that's a really good point you make, Melanie, because 
I think we know what we have experienced and we want that for the other Mm -hmm. person, don't we? Yes. They don't appreciate what it is we're trying to say. That's an interesting aspect of trying to tell the story. But you you mentioned there the first step out of St. Jean-Pied-de-Port. Do you remember what happened when you thought there's something more to this than simply a long walk? And did you walk to Orison or did you go all the way to Roncesvalles on that first day? (laughs) Well, I always knew that this would be more than just a long walk. That's what I wanted. That's what I needed. And I knew it would be there. and, And it was just that. Um, I walked all the way to Roncesvalles, but since it was March, the Napoleon route was closed. Ah. And so I took the valley route through uh, by Carlos. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's about the same length. I think it's just like 26 kilometers. So it may even be shorter than the Napoleon route. And of course it's not uh, so high. You don't go up so high. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, but I, I'm told it's very beautiful, though that walk. Yeah. Well, the first time I did it in 2018, it was very wet and foggy and misty, very mystical. But you didn't see anything. Well, you oh. you come also across a, a pass, but it's not the high one; it's a lower one, just above uh, the monastery. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't see anything. But I did it again the following year, 2019, again in March. And then it was a beautiful sunny day and the view was great. Also from there, I think it's just, it's even greater when you're at the very top, but uh, I loved it. It's, it's a beautiful walk, yeah. Is it well signposted? Yes. Um, well, you even have two choices. You can always stay on the road. Uh, and I think if the weather is very bad and if it's very muddy, um, that's what they recommend at the pilgrim's office. But uh, you... Sometimes you can divert from the road through the forest uh, and there are some really nice paths and along a river, uh, but sometimes they're really narrow. And I heard that some weeks before I went there, a pilgrim fell and I think even died there. I don't know if that's oh. true. Just I, It didn't really look that dangerous, but I guess if you fall a few meters and no one sees you or anything, yeah. it can happen. But I, I don't think it's a dangerous route. It's just a, a path through the forest. Really? Okay, right. Oh, I'd love to do that alternative um, journey. That'd be fantastic. I interviewed your friend Vivek Bassan earlier this year. Yeah. It was an incredible <laughs> interview. What an incredible man. Um, tell yeah, us. he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. Tell us about your journey, your pilgrimage, your Camino alongside Vivek. Well, the funny thing is that I think really connected actually more after the Camino. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, I think we first met uh, somewhere behind, um, I think it's called Pieros, uh, that has that fantastic vegetarian albergue. Um, oh. It's somewhere just before Molina Seca, I think, oh, okay. in that, yeah. that right. region, yeah. And then on the first day, we met in the vineyards. We just talked a little bit, but I walked faster, so I walked on. Um, then we met again in Samos. Um, but also there, I kind of had a strange day. I don't know, I was in a funny mood. And uh, he stayed in the monastery alberga. I stayed in an alberga across the road. Actually, the, where that bar is, I think, that you love so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do love that bar. Yeah, I love it too. And uh, they they played great music there. And um, there we sat outdoors and chatted and also with some some other pilgrims. Um, 
Yeah, and then we met again a few times and also in Santiago. And we always chatted, but I th never never for a long time. I, it sounds strange, but it feels like there, there wasn't the, the time and space because, you know, you know the routine of the pilgrim. Sometimes you just yeah. have to wash your clothes and uh, get a meal and then you have to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it didn't really happen, but we stayed in touch. And then, yeah, we just uh, stayed in touch through WhatsApp. And yeah, we, we exchanged a lot of messages through WhatsApp and called a few times. Yeah, he, um, he's yeah. A, he's a very wise man, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think so. He's I, I, seen so much of the world, met yeah. so many people, and I think he's really good in reading people. Yeah. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking with him. Actually, we've 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 <laughs> sort of kind of stayed in touch a bit as well, which is always one of the great things about doing what yeah. I do. People stay in touch, and and I absolutely love the company of pilgrims and. The interaction around the world, I find it makes the world a much, much smaller place. And I've said heaps of times here, if only uh, more people around the world did the Camino, I think the world would be a much better place. But you walked, uh, uh, you've now done three, I think, main Caminos or certainly two Caminos and a big long walk in Germany as well. But what did you learn, do you think, from other pilgrims? <sighs> from other pilgrims? Wow different things well what just came to my mind when you when you asked the question was um i met a german pilgrim a guy i think about my age i'm, I'm 36 and um the first time i met him he, he was limping he had a bad knee and he said it was because he he walked too fast and he, he didn't pay attention so he kind of twisted his knee so that yeah that troubled him um And I met him again weeks later, as it happens on the Camino. And then he had um, his uh, heels were all open, like there were open wounds on his heels, really bad, really uh -huh. inflamed. And he was just done. He was just frustrated and, and saying he was in so much pain and he didn't really, really want to continue anymore. And, and that was like maybe a week, a week out of Santiago, no, maybe a little bit more. And then he said, I want to get there at a certain date. And I, I said, well, do you have a flight book? Do you have to be back? No, no, I just want to get there. I had always set the goal. I wanted to be there on a certain date. So that's what I want to do. And I just want to get it over and done with. And I felt so sorry because, it, yeah, that's what he did. He, he didn't enjoy it. He just wanted, you know, to get it over and done with. And the interesting thing is that when I talked to him first, he said that he was walking after having a burnout at his job. And I kind of felt he was pushing himself again on the Camino, but I really hope he still kind of learned something or got something from it. Um, and maybe he needs another Camino, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think the Camino still gave him something. And that's what I learned from him, how important it is to not push yourself. Because sometimes I'm not good at that myself, to not push myself. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, Well, boy, I could just to listen to listen yeah. to your body and everything to to what you need. Yeah, yeah, I need to listen a lot more. I, <laughs> mm -hmm. I just me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's crazy. That's really good advice. Actually, that's a really good example of listening to your body and the Camino trying to tell you something and taking notice of what it's trying to tell you. 
How does the Camino resonate with you, Melanie, now that you are home? How do you feel it in the day-to-day of home life? Hmm. Yeah, I thought about that a lot because there were times when I wished that I could kind of live it more in my everyday life, like be more relaxed, be don't worry so much, you know, have more trust because I felt all that on the Camino. I felt that that inner strength, that the trust that everything will be okay and that I can do whatever I want and it will work out. But then I come back and, you know, there are all those doubts and all those questions. And yeah. <laughs> you don't really have the answers. And so um, there were times when I find it kind of hard to resonate with it, but I think your podcast actually started a bigger resonation again uh, within me and um, kind of re reactivated my memories. And um, then I started my blog and um, started reconnecting more to other pilgrims. And I think now I'm finding that actually the Camino gave me some things that are slowly developing within myself. It's hard to explain, but... Just recently, something didn't work out. I was looking for an institute because I'm um, considering um, becoming a therapist and I need to do a course uh, in that. That will take another three to five years uh, to become a psychotherapist. And I had my mindset on a certain institute to go. Uh, But now I found out that they probably don't offer any courses anymore, so I can't go there. And I think... If this had happened like five years ago, I would have been really disappointed and be kind of, I don't know, really upset for for some days. But uh, now I'm like, well, okay, I can't change it. Move on. Yeah. Find another institute. <laughs> that's gr- but that's um, great, isn't it? That's that's yeah, that's yeah. a really really exciting development in your your personal development. And you'd know somebody. This is your your kind of chosen career. You know about things <laughs> like that, don't you? Yeah, more or less. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a psychologist. But yeah, I know a little bit about that. Yeah, and I want to talk about that in a little while. But you mentioned the blog, um, Camino to Go. You share some of your memories and some of your thoughts, some of your insight. When a visitor arrives at your page, they're welcomed by a simple graphic that says, walk, listen, live, learn, walk. I really like it. Um, But when you wrote that, Walk, listen, live, learn, walk. Is that you listening and learning? Or is it other people listening and learning? Or is it all of us? (laughs) Good question. I think think it's like an opportunity. You can take it. It's an it's an invitation. Um for others who might walk the Camino, consider it. And also for myself, like I had many moments where I did just where I just was in the moment on the Camino and where, where I was able to listen, but also sometimes I get a bit restless, you know, or uh, yeah, then you work through things, you know how that goes. Uh, so and that's also a part of it, but it's I think it's it's a constant invitation and that Everybody, including myself, should kind of constantly be aware of this Mm. on the Camino and in life. Yeah. I love it. Walk, listen, live, learn, walk. Yeah. So tell us about the blog. Uh, 
Do you put it out regularly? Is it a weekly thing, a monthly thing, or is it just once you've finished writing something, you publish it? Tell us about it. <laughs> well, uh, when I started, it was crazy. I had this crazy phase of energy and enthusiasm about a year ago. I think uh, we just kind of started by listening to your podcast. <laughs> so, and then I went for a run in the forest and I just, I just thought, well, why don't I do a blog? I think the idea of a blog had been in my mind for a while, but at that moment it was like, okay, I'm doing it. And, and you actually wrote to me. I think that was really the, the spark. Just do it. And then I went for the run. It was like, okay, I'll do it. And then I started writing my first blog post in my mind while I was running. Yeah. Um, and so at the beginning I posted quite often because I was just so energetic and so enthusiastic. And, uh, and I still love it, but... Um, in the meantime, I changed jobs and my current job is more demanding and I work more hours. So I don't post uh, or blog as regularly. Uh, I, I intended to do it twice a month. At the moment, it's more once a month. But I, I just... Also, that's something where I don't push myself. You know, I, yeah. I, I just wait for something that comes up and then I might write it straight away or a little bit later or even uh, in pieces... And then a few months ago, I, I decided I want to post in both English and German. I started mm. in English, but I, I found that um, some people I'm connected to, they said they, that their English is not that fluent and they would love to read it in German. And then I said, okay, uh, I can post in both languages. And it takes a, a, a bit longer to translate. And um, since I'm a perfectionist, <laughs> when I translate, usually I write in English and then I translate into German and then I change the original. So it takes longer. <laughs> How interesting. But, but you, you have excellent, excellent English. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You've obviously been taught since childhood, have you? Mm, yeah, I'm lucky that in my, uh, you can say county, uh, we started in third grade with English classes, so right. I think that's great. And then um, in high school, I, I took the advanced course, but I also uh, was an au pair in Ireland for uh, 10 months in Cork. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, yeah I've been to County yeah, Cork. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I did you kiss the Blarney Stone? I did. <laughs> did you? <laughs> Do you know what? When I kiss the Blarney Stone, like if, if you're listening and you don't know, the Blarney Stone is a, an ancient stone <laughs> on the edge of a castle and you lean out over the side of the castle and kiss the Blarney Stone. And they say that if you kiss it, you get the gift of the gab. That's an Irish term for like the flair of being able to converse and, and talk to people and, and the gift of conversation. And when I kiss the Blarney Stone, I, I, I came, they pulled me back up and the Irish woman said to me, I've got a feeling you didn't need to kiss the Blarney Stone. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, I kissed the Blarney yeah. Stone. So, so English is, your English is great. Your writing is really, really great. I really love it. And you say on the blog, on the Camino, you can find valuable things to take home with you. And that's why your blog is called Camino to Go. Uh, there's always a way to go in life. Also, Camino means way. So Camino to go also means way to go. <laughs> I love it. Mm -hmm. And you say, <laughs> I want to write about my Camino experience as well as life in general. Since life is a Camino, I want to keep the Camino spirit going in my everyday life, living more mindfully and in the present, worrying less, 
being more accepting towards others and myself, trusting my intuition, connecting to wonderful people, and enjoying life. Enjoying, on your website, the word enjoying is in bold type. Why do you think the Camino makes it easier to enjoy life? I think because it puts everything into perspective in a way, like all the all the clutter, all the worries from home, they kind of get less important. And you just, you go back to the basics, just, you know, living the, the simple life of a pilgrim on, on the Camino. Maybe maybe you'll find some inner connection with yourself and your, you discover kind of your true inner joyful living, which yeah. is, I think, naturally there, but probably kind of gets covered by all all the worries and all the, the planning and all yeah. all the obligations you have at yeah. home. And yeah. there, I think, with all the freedom, and freedom is really my word for the Camino, because I think from the freedom comes everything else. Yeah. Um, that freedom just makes you feel just that, that pure joy. And I think you said in the introduction um, that at one point when you came down from Osprey, you just said how, I think, how, how grateful you were just for being there. And that's yeah. what I felt so many times. I felt it at the very beginning, but also so many times just on the way, even if there was nothing, let's say, special, but just being there under the sun or even in the rain, just walking, just walking, that was special to me and that just felt like living here and now in the moment. And I think you take that back home with you. And Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I really, I, I, that was a great answer. What did you enjoy most about the Camino then? Yeah, I, I think just having that freedom. Yeah. That and I think also the freedom of not being a spreadsheet pilgrim, <laughs> the freedom that I can decide where where do I go, where do I stop, where do I just stop and rest, when yeah. do I talk to someone and just take the time. And I think I took that back with me a little bit too. Just being there and enjoying life with other pilgrims, but also on my own. I think both aspects for me are very important. I needed also time on my own to walk on my own, but also connecting with others. Yeah, how wonderful. Both sides. Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you this, Melanie. What did you not enjoy so much on the Camino? <laughs> okay, blisters. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, they were quite painful at the beginning. And also I had some foot pain um, in my toes on my first Camino, especially. That was really severe and I was kind of afraid I might have to stop because of that. Uh, but I listened to my body and... Um, I, I took a little rest and um, actually uh, a store in Estella saved me because I got uh, gel inserts there. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, that that's one thing. Um, well, I don't sleep well and I don't sleep much on the Camino, but I don't mind that. It's a part of the experience. And I found I didn't need so much sleep or as much sleep as I, as I do at home. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, you walked alone or you certainly you, you, you went out on the Camino alone. Did you feel safe? Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Always. Oh, oh, that's great. I wanted to talk about your blog some more. Um, some of the titles, one is Pausing, Changing and Connecting. I loved that. 
And then on your most recent blog, which I really loved, you wrote about the reset button. And you said, there are big and small resets in life, loud and Mm -hmm. quiet ones. Some are explosive or dramatic, others slow, contemplative. And a new start can save a life or change it. Maybe you leave the path you are on or you correct your course or you just look around. Some resets click or light up. Ah! And still, they can entail a searching, finding, becoming, require a recurrent pausing, small resets in a bigger reconstruction. And you finish by saying, go outside, dare to do nothing, deliberately. Break routines, stand still, open up, go on a pilgrimage, question. Be honest with yourself, but loving. Wake yourself up, but take care of yourself. Be resolute, but patient. And then you finish with, take your time. I actually mm-hmm. love the concept of taking time. And, mm-hmm. and the reason is, you have to take it from somewhere. Yes. Right? <laughs> but, Melanie, you say, take your time. Your time. Take us through that. Take your time. I think it's also about being aware and not getting sucked up into all the obligations or into work and everything. And I have to admit, I think sometimes or quite often I find it hard to follow my own advice. You know, it's it's easier to write something and to believe in it, but it's another thing to act upon it. So I think I'm kind of also writing my blog to myself to remind me of what I should do. Uh, And taking time is always a challenge for me. And taking my time, yeah, taking your time, taking my time, meaning taking time really for yourself uh, to do what you, you want. And even if it's doing nothing but then doing nothing like on purpose you know um, allowing yourself not to do anything just not feeling the stress of you having to accomplish anything right now and that's something I find very hard but I'm working on it (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's really interesting what you said there that often you're writing the blog perhaps as a message to yourself (laughs) Well, that's, that's great, isn't it? That's a really good way to, to put your thoughts on the page mm-hmm. and for others to reflect on your own reflections. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. You've walked three Caminos, including one in Germany. Uh, we talked earlier about walking in Germany, but where do you sleep? Uh, are there albergues or a kind of similar kind of thing in Germany? Yeah, I was surprised to find that, um, well, there are loads of routes, uh, Camino routes, going through Germany, like main ones that are lining up with the other European European routes and that are more direct. And then there are smaller ones that are more like detours or indirect or connecting the other routes. Um, and they're more scenic. Mm-hmm. So loads of different routes. And there are a lot of uh, small pilgrims guides available for those sections. And in those guides, you find addresses where you can stay. So there are... A few hostels, um, but not so many. Uh, like usually they're uh, connected to like, um, what's it called? Pa- pastorage? Uh, hmm. No, um, pastor's house. Oh, okay. Right. So uh, 
like from the church. Yeah, yeah, mainly. Yeah. Uh, so they sometimes have a small place uh, they offer, but then there are a lot of addresses just from people that, that, yeah. that take in pilgrims. Usually they are um, like into their house. Uh, often they are former pilgrims, of course, but I, for example, stayed with a very nice couple. They just love meeting people. <laughs> so they just love taking in pilgrims. So uh, yeah, there are lists of places where you can stay like at private homes too. And of course uh, you also find hotels, uh, yeah, hotels and similar accommodation, uh, guest rooms in, in those guides. But if you want to do low budget, you can stay at hostels um, and private places. Yeah, fantastic. It's often said that you can do the Camino Frances on about $25 a day US or even much cheaper, actually. Is it much more expensive in Germany? No, I wouldn't say so. Um, okay. If you really do it that way, that you stay at private homes and, and, and hostels, um, I think it's about the same, but I, I didn't walk that much. I have to admit, um, I, I did a short one, just really four days where I started from my front door and I walked, uh, two days in Germany and then I crossed the border to France and walked two days in France. And the second time was actually last October where I originally had planned to walk the Primitivo, which wasn't uh, possible. Um, so then I changed my plan to walking in Germany and I wanted to walk for two weeks, uh, walking back into Freiburg. Um, but then the infection rates got, got so bad again that I quit after uh, yeah on the sixth day so I only walked five days right. uh, on a German route yeah 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 oh boy I'd love to walk in Germany I, I think some of the pictures that you see of the countryside um, is just looks amazing uh, is it well yeah, is, sure. is it well signposted I know you mentioned earlier that you you can get the guidebooks but I suspect they're in German so is it is it easy to find your way around in most parts, yes. Um, yeah. Well, on the short bit I did from my front door, there were some signs missing. But with the guidebook, they really describe every turnoff, every yeah. intersection, every every corner, right. every tree. <laughs> so <laughs> then, you, then you are able to find your way. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there are local uh, like communities that take care of those uh, paths and of the of the signing of the marking and yeah they they do that regularly and of course they they can't keep up and replace missing signs like every few weeks yeah, <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. no it's, it's well marked I'm I'm going to come and walk there I, I swear I'm going to come and do oh, it wow. I'm going to come and do it and you can walk <laughs> with me. You studied psychology. Yeah, it would be great. You studied psychology at university you mentioned earlier. How then do you make sense of your pilgrimage journey and the impact the Camino has had on you from a, <laughs> from a psychological point of view? You now, take off Whoa. your pilgrim's hat and put on your, your psychologist's hat. What, do you, what, do you, what does it say to you? How do you make sense of it? <laughs> Well, well, uh, I finished my studies like 10 years ago <laughs> and um, hmm, I, I'm not sure if I'm a even able to do that because uh, I think I studied psychology out of that interest I have for human beings and I think I, I evaluate everything from that uh, perspective. So more from an intuitive way, you know, but yeah. um, 
from a psychological perspective, hmm. well, of course, it's an individual thing. I, I can't speak for everyone because it depends very much on um, why you go on the Camino. I mean, some people go to grief and then obviously they have this thing they need to work through. And uh, I think the Camino can help a lot with that. But I just wanted to take a time out. Um, yeah. And so it's like, I think it's actually like self-therapy in a way because... Yeah. I kind of um, got used to talking to myself on the Camino. <laughs> it might sound crazy, but it, it's so insightful and it, it can bring up emotions that are really important. It's still different than just writing something, like writing a journal. If you walk and you talk to yourself or to the universe or whoever, God maybe, if you believe in him, um, It changes something. And at, at the beginning, it's strange just talking to yourself or, or talking, you know, in, just in space with no one there, no other human being. Yeah. But it really can set things in motion. And um, yeah, I'm now doing that regularly when I, not, not on my hikes, because usually then I meet more people. But uh, yeah, on my several Caminos, I, I did that. And so, yeah, I think it's, therapy in a way and also of course when you talk to other pilgrims it's therapy totally because everyone is just so open-minded and non-judgmental and it's a therapeutic mindset so yeah that would be my uh, psychological evaluation of the Camino yeah that's but but mind you that's exactly what we hope for isn't it therapy a therapeutic journey I mean therapeutic yeah sums up so many things it can be emotional therapy it can be physical therapy because let's face it mm -hmm. if you're walking 25 kilometers a day after 10 days 20 days 30 days you feel fantastic you, yeah you, you know you lose weight well certainly I lost a lot of weight on the Camino you lose weight and you you feel fitter your you, your bones and your and your muscles are much stronger and you feel like much more energetic so there's that therapy there's also the therapy of talking and walking with others and sharing mm -hmm. their stories and sometimes being a comfort to people is great therapy isn't it yes mm, yes for you it's Just, great therapy for you yes yeah. for both sides yeah exactly and yeah listening you know how important listening is yeah 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 and helping others reflect on their issues can even give you insights on your issues so it's kind of a yeah back and forth thing yeah i walked one day with a, with a gentleman who really he he talked for two hours about the problems that he was having at home mm -hmm. and he w really was walking with his head down i had noticed for a few days wow. and i just managed to be with him for a few hours and he talked and talked and talked and later that night at dinner we were all sitting around this huge big table and i looked down and he was laughing out loud and his head was rock <laughs> his head was rocking back in laughter oh. and and we sort of connected eyes out. We, we looked at one another and he sort of gave me the mm. thumbs up you know he gave me the thumbs up and i thought oh. oh good on you that's awesome i'm not suggesting that i was like this the salve to his problems or anything but i think certainly he was sort of giving me the thumbs up that he appreciated the fact that he was able to just get a bit off his chest which is sometimes Certainly. that's all it takes isn't it just just talking yeah. yes and i found find these moments they're so special yeah well um on my first camino i was in subiri sitting with other pilgrims also at dinner and actually uh, the ones i, I was sitting with uh, at the beginning 
I didn't really feel like I was part of the group and I, I didn't really feel I, I could enter the, the conversation. It, it was a bit strange. And then a guy entered, Nick uh, from Wales, and he said some things from his life, something very emotional. It was very, like, he just kind of threw it in there. You know, before that, the, the conversation was kind of casual and then he just said something very personal and emotional and, and I totally understood him and we just uh, connected eyes and it was like both of us suddenly had tears in our eyes and we just there was just this understanding you know you didn't need many words and the others didn't really understand it was just between the two of us and we walked the next day and we talked about a lot of things and then I had to stop because my feet were so bad at that moment he walked on and I didn't see him again but I kind of regretted for some time not uh, getting his contact data to, to be in touch, to keep in touch. But now I'm thinking it's okay. You know, you have this these moments and they're wonderful. Um, and that that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How wonderful. Well, if anybody knows Nick from Wales who walked in what year? March, <laughs> April when? 2018. Uh, yes. <laughs> there you go. Perhaps we can find him for you, Melanie. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah. I love your blog. I love what you've been doing. I love that you've established a place where you can put your thoughts and and perhaps others can share your thoughts and your views and and certainly you invite feedback and and you love to hear from people. Before we finish, tell us a Camino story. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I was thinking about one, uh, about communication, communication, um, I was walking the uh, Calzada Romana, uh, which is like a, a detour you take uh, just after Sahagun. You can take the Calzada Romana. Uh, it's a wonderful detour. I can really recommend it to everyone. Um, then you walk on a long stretch, just there's nothing. It's uh, still part of the Meseta, I believe. Um, and then I came to this tiny village and there was this tiny, tiny albergue. It was a former school. Uh, but it's very small school. And uh, the hospitalera, the, she was so great. Uh, she was called Janine. She's a French and she was 80 years old. Oh. <laughs> and she spoke only French and Spanish, no English, no German, of course, but no English, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then there were two other pilgrims, another German girl, uh, Sylvie, and a uh, um, Hungarian uh, girl, um, Katerine. And so it was just us four women and we had a wonderful night. We we lit a fire because it was still quite cold at nights and just sitting there on the fireplace trying to communicate. So the thing is, I didn't speak any French. My Spanish back then was even more basic than it is now. So very, very basic. I could say a few words and phrases and I had some vocabulary, but I couldn't really speak in Spanish. Um, Sylvie, she, she only spoke... German and English, no Spanish, no French. And luckily the Hungarian girl, she spoke some French. So we were kind of able to communicate through her, but Janine, she really wanted to talk to us and she kept talking in Spanish. And I really tried, you know, I really tried to understand everything, translate every word in my, in my mind and try to speak in Spanish. And I really struggled. It was really hard to communicate. And Sylvie, the the other German girl, she just talked to her in German knowing that she wouldn't understand, but they just talked in different languages, just looking at each other, using some hand gestures. (laughs) 
and they totally understood each other and you know on a different level around or above language and i was like okay i'm struggling here to speak spanish which i don't really speak and i i can't communicate this way or not well anyway and they just speak everybody in their own mother tongue and and it's working <laughs> just through their eyes and their smiles and that the the melody of of what they're saying and their tone of the voice <laughs> I don't know. That was... Wow. I don't know. I was speechless. What a wonderful <laughs> story. Yeah, oh, and we oh, had wow. such a great night. That alberge was so special, and I love the hospitalera. She was so... She was so wise. Yeah. That's a great story. Oh, my gosh. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that story so much. So that's on the Catharida. What is it? The... Uh, Casara Romana. Okay, um, oh, and that's the other, the, the Leon side. Is it from Sahun to Leon, perhaps? Or maybe just to Relegos. Okay, to Relegos, right. Okay. Yeah, well, and I think there are some, some points where you can hop over to the main route. And right. the main route there, it follows mainly a bigger street, I think. And the Casara Romana is just in the, in the countryside. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I, I have walked that pilgrimage there from Sahun twice and really it's, ah. it's quite boring along the side of the road. It's, it's the Meseta and it's magic and all the rest of it, but I wonder, there you go, now I've got a different route to go next time. Yeah, you just need to plan it a little bit because there is this very long stretch until you reach the tiny village uh, where you have nothing on 19 kilometers. So I think between Sahagun and that tiny albergue I, I stayed at, it's just 19 kilometers of nothing. So you kind of, if you want to go there, you kind of might want to plan ahead or you might have to walk a very long distance. <laughs> yeah, and take some water with you and some food. What's the name oh, yes. of the town again? Oh, it's one of the long ones. I think it's... Um, Hermanillas de los, uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those okay. very long uh, names. Yeah, okay, I, I we'll, can send it to you. <laughs> that's okay. We'll find it. We'll find it. Melanie, you've been very kind to me, and I hope you can continue to find kindness in the Camino community. Thanks for taking the time to write to me and taking the time to write your blog. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It's very early in the morning in Germany and Melanie has very kindly stayed up all night. <laughs> Thanks for your company. Thanks for your kindness. And Buen Camino. Uh, thank you for having me and thank you for everything you do. And Buen Camino to you too. Utrea. My guest this week was Melanie Shadelish. You can find her work at CaminoToGo.com. It's Camino-To-Go. Camino hyphen to hyphen go.com. Remember my quote this week from Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., an American jurist and judge. He said, a mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions, stretching to imagine what's possible. Hmm. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, someone